I didn't want to have any mirrors in the gym because I thought that it was unnecessary. As a as a business owner, uh, just figured, hey, that's an expense I don't want to have. That's something I'm going to need to clean. And if it gets broken, I have to replace it. And I just don't, I don't want that hassle. And I just know that throughout my years in the fitness industry, people would say, hey, I need the mirror so I could see how my form is. If you're busy looking at your form in the mirror, you're probably not in the right position. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Fitness Line Down podcast, where I am your host and owner extraordinaire, Corey Kreit. All right, friends, uh, it's been an exciting week so far, and we've had some great guests in the past, and I'm excited about some upcoming amazing guests in the future. But currently, yes, here I am flying solo once again, <laughs> guiding you through this audio experience. Now, a couple things I want to talk about this uh, episode, and but before I get there, let's talk mirrors. Now, that is, you know, I think if you're playing like Family Feud, hopefully you know that that game, where all of a sudden it's like name five things that you see somewhere. I, I feel like if you say name five things you'd see in a gym, one of those top five would be mirrors, right? I mean, wherever you go, all the gyms, there's mirrors and why 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 do we have mirrors and it's so funny because when people i mean i just knew i didn't want to have any mirrors in the gym because i thought that it was unnecessary as a as a business owner uh just figured hey that's an expense i don't want to have that's something i'm going to need to clean and if it gets broken i have to replace it and i just don't i don't want that hassle and i just know that throughout my years in the fitness industry People would say, hey, I need the mirror so I could see how my form is. And it's almost like for a lot of the exercises that you're doing here at Fitness Line Down especially, if you're busy looking at your form in the mirror, you're probably not in the right position. Now, I think about the hinge. So uh, the most common hinge being the deadlift. So if you're sitting there and you've got, and let's just go old school gym. I'm, I'm holding on to a barbell, okay, and I'm, I'm lifting the barbell off the ground and putting it right back down. Well, if I'm head on to this mirror, I have to crank my neck so I can see myself as I'm lowering the bar down. And this is a common correction I have to make here in the gym is that we don't want to be looking up so high. We don't want to be cranking on our neck as we're lowering the weight back down because you don't have what we call a neutral spine. And I always joke around with people. But I put them in that bot- I put myself in that bottom position with my myself looking forward, so my neck is really extended. It's cranked back, and then I stand up in that same position, and now I'm looking at the ceiling. And I said, unless this is how you plan to walk for the rest of your life, I recommend that we change your head position. So you can't be looking at yourself as you're going down. Okay. Now, the other thing that some people will talk about is that they'll look sideways, but now I have to crank my neck to look over to the side. And if something goes awry in my lift, well, this could be a possible neck injury. And all why? Because you're trying to check out your form? I, ludicrous. That's all I got to say. Ludicrous. Now, I think, I think the new mirrors nowadays are phones, the cameras, because you get a lot of, you got a little feedback, a lot of input based on what you could see with the video. 
So that way you don't have to worry about your form or position. Like, well, you always have to worry about it, but you don't have to worry about trying to look at it at the time. And the other thing I always talk about is the fact that life doesn't give you mirrors to check yourself out and make sure you're doing something correctly. You need to have that ability. And that's what we do here is we're putting people in a position where they have that ability to feel their body in space, to know where they are, to know the movement pattern, to recognize that movement pattern. Because I'll tell you right now, and this might be a little bit of a tangent, it's something I just heard this week, not in the gym, but through something else. Muscle memory. People talk about muscle memory, how your body, the muscles remember. The muscles don't remember anything. The brain remembers. And the brain remembers patterns. So if you're in the gym here, if you're a fitness line down, and we're doing a lateral hinge, meaning you're stepping to the side in that lifting something off the floor position. So whether it be a lateral deadlift, whether it be a lateral good morning, a lateral power clean, a lateral snatch, all in the hip hinge family. Well, I'm always amazed with how many times that movement happens in my daily life. And then my brain responds because it knows the hinge in the frontal plane moving side to side. So it's a pattern recognition. It's not muscle memory. Now back to my earlier point, if we can have people understand, we can teach the brain how to recognize these patterns, whether you're squatting, whether you're lunging, whether you're pressing, pulling, you know, any of those different patterns, the brain recognizes that pattern. So when you need it outside of the gym, the brain just cues it up. Here it is. This is the pattern we're looking for. And we've practiced this before. You know what to do. So I don't think mirrors are going to be very beneficial. Um, just for all those reasons. And I just think about the exercise that you can look at yourself in the mirror while you're doing. You know, I'm thinking like, okay, I could do bicep curls. I can do some overhead pressing, whatnot. But I'm losing the intention. And that's why I talk about, I've, I mentioned before on this podcast, is I'm not so concerned with correct form as I am with intentional form. Want to strive for the fact that what I'm doing has meaning, is purposeful. Is not just going through the motions. And all of our clients here, they've heard me say this time and time again. Just don't go through the motions. Make sure everything is intentional, meaningful, what have you. Because I can't tell you how many times in my career I've seen somebody do a particular exercise. And externally, I'm like, well, that looks pretty good. And then I go to follow up with them. And they're like, you know, it kind of hurts my back. And it's like, wow, I don't know how it does because the form is on point. Well, now we have the ability as coaches here at Fitness Line Down, to recognize maybe where the intention is not so intent. <laughs> the intention is not so meaningful. I don't know the word to use there. But all of a sudden, we can say, pull those handles apart a little bit harder, right? These external cues. Maybe I need to put a band around your feet so that you can use your feet a little bit more into the ground so that you can anchor those feet so you have more of that what the kids call core stability. So now, all of a sudden, that intention, it, it, it colors that movement. And now, you're in correct form. You're in correct posture. So we don't have to worry about it because you're 100% on tune, in tune, on point with this. And it brings up one of my favorite quotes, especially when it comes to the fitness training floor, is don't be careful. Be competent. You know, so many times people kind of like, they're, they're a little hesitant about doing something. And I get it. I mean, I, I, if you introduce something new, 
but what we strive to do here, and I think we do a very good job of it, if, if any of our clients are listening and we don't, please let me know, <laughs> is we don't give our clients more than they can handle. We know where they are in their training journey and their fitness journey. And this is the great thing, the great thing about having the system through DVRT is that we're not going to jump steps. Now, I've done that in the past and I've paid a price. I mean, my clients have paid a price because they weren't ready for particular exercises but because I thought they were, but there was no really testing standards to the some degree. Like there's something that you have to accomplish and you have to become proficient in this movement, in this exercise, in order to move up the rank. And I, I do my best to make sure that we go through that because any exercise worth doing well is worth doing. Any exercise worth doing is worth doing well. <laughs> I think that's where I'm going. And so I can give you the most elementary of exercises. But if you have meaning and you have purpose, well, that exercise is going to have some effect on you, no doubt. So that's that's kind of the ins and outs of like the mirrors. So I, I know a lot of people, they like mirrors in the gym. I personally, because I can be a vain individual, I think people like to just check themselves out. You know, after I get done with the lift, is that vein popping out? You know, how do I look in my shorts? You know, how are my calves looking? I, there's no reason to be gawking at yourself in the mirror. And like I said, 99% of the time you're doing it, your posture and your form is going to be off the rails because you have to do something that is unnatural in order to do that exercise while you're looking at yourself in the mirror. Okay, I'm off that soapbox. So the next, the next soapbox I want to go on to is not so much a soapbox as it is, maybe let's call it preparation. So tomorrow... Well, I guess yesterday, if you're listening to this when I release this podcast, or maybe even today, I forget which day I'm going to put this out. However, Thursday of this week, I have a group of people that are coming into Fitness Lying Down, which I'm super excited about. And it's called the Cup of Joe, I believe, Cup of Joe uh, group meeting or something. So these people that belong to this organization or have some kind of ties to it. <laughs> and I've done some research on them. I've tried to figure out what they do, and I found out I'm going to share with you. But they're going to come in and they want to hear about me starting the business. So it's not even about fitness at all. It's just maybe potential business starters, you know, business owners, entrepreneurs, this kind of um, situation. The organization that's putting this together is called the WWBIC, which stands for the Wisconsin Women's Business Initiative Corporation. And... Their whole focus, I guess, is on individuals who face barriers in accessing business financing and training support, including women, people of color, veterans, and lower wealth individuals. So they're going to come in, and I'm going to share my story. And they've given me some moderator questions uh, that I should be prepared for uh, to get ready for this uh, event. And so I'm pretty excited. So I want to share some of these questions. Maybe this is me trying to practice and um, kind of figure out how I want to say these things. But it is, it's really interesting. And I think I've shared this story before, but I was just sharing it the other day with a friend who was asking, asking me about starting up Fitness Lying Down. And of course, for me, it's, it was scary, but it wasn't as scary because of the fact that I was already unemployed. So if this didn't work out for me, I'm kind of back at that beginning stage of trying to look for employment. And if it did work, well, fantastic. So it wasn't like I was like, it wasn't as if I was at some high position and I was unhappy with my job, making gazillions of dollars 
and wanting to start my own business and hoping that this can supplement the income that I already had. <laughs> my, my income at this time was quite low. And the cool thing about being, I don't know, that's the wrong way to say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. The cool thing about being unemployed in the state of Wisconsin back in 2014, so I can't, I can't talk about how it is now, is of course you have, to, you have to go through and you have to apply for jobs to maintain your unemployment benefits, which is only fair, right? I mean, if, if you get these benefits, it's to help you on your way back to employment. You shouldn't just be resting on these benefits. And trust me, these benefits were not enough to really rest upon. Grateful that I was able to receive them, but it wasn't, it wasn't a supplemental to my previous income. So I'm, I'm doing all this stuff, I'm applying, and everything is digital, so I'm applying online, and I'm, I'm tracking through, and I'm sending unemployment, the Office of Unemployment, I'm sending them all my information about what I've been doing, and you know the weekly reports, what have you. And all of a sudden, I get this letter in the mail. I still remember this. I get this letter in the mail from the unemployment office, said that I had to go to a meeting at the unemployment building, and that this meeting was mandatory. And of course, that just put chills in my spine. My first thought was, did I, did I miss something? Did I not track something appropriately? Did I, uh, what did I do? Why am I in trouble? <laughs> you know, there was nothing saying, you're not in trouble. It was just like meeting. And they know that you're unemployed, so what else are you going to do? So I went down and I got there in time. They said, you know, I'm like, I'm here for this meeting. And they're like, yep, it's in this room. So I go in that room and there's a bunch of people sitting around kind of with the same face that I had, like, uh, why am I in trouble? What am I doing here? How, you know, <laughs> help me. And then the person comes in that's running the meeting. And the first thing that she says is nobody's in trouble. And you just see everybody's shoulders like, Phew. so I suppose in their point, because it's almost, why don't you put that in right away and say, you're not in trouble? Well, probably because they might not get the attendance, even though it's mandatory. People might be like, well, if I'm not in trouble, I don't have to go. So the meeting was actually all about how can we help you out? How can we get you back into the workforce? And I thought this was fantastic because at this, you know, in 2014, things were changing for a lot of people that might have lost their jobs that haven't had to search for a job in so long that resumes, building a resume online, being able to fill out online applications, you know, having that digital presence. And I'm sure there was a lot of people that didn't quite understand this new digital age of all this and so it, the resources and that's what they're saying it's like our building here and it was quite the building is full of resources we're here to help you with your resume we're here to help you build you know if you need a linkedin something you know if you need help with uh applying online that's why we're here what can we do to help so that was you know i think it was kind of a maybe a half maybe a little bit more than half of a day long no it was only half because I, I wasn't fed any food <laughs> and uh and I remember the lady, so at the end, she said, well, I'm going to be going around to each one of you, each one of you, and spend, you know, five, seven minutes just talking about what it is you're going to do to get back into the workforce. And I remember she sat down next to me at one point, and, all right, well, what are you doing to get back into the workforce? And I said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to start a, a gym. I'm going to, I'm going to open up a gym. And just her face, you know, because I was pretty excited about this because I was already in the planning stages and I could see this coming to fruition, even though it was still some months out. I mean, we're talking about this must have been July. No, no, I got fired in July, maybe August, maybe September. You know, we didn't officially open until November, per se. 
And so it's kind of like, well, you're, <laughs> you got some months here. And of course her whole, as polite as she could try to be, it was the whole message of, you know, statistically that's not going to work. Now she said it in better words than that, but I, you know, I knew where she was coming from and I'm like, I understand, but this is going to happen. I'm going to make this work. Yeah. But maybe you should try to find something else that's a little bit more stable. And it's like, nope, nope, this is going to be it. And, you know, that, that poor lady, I, I think I, I don't know. I think maybe she went home and said a prayer for me because <laughs> she's like that helpless, that helpless person. I mean, I wish, I wish them well, but boy, if they could only get their head on right. Well, here we are sitting here, you know, nine years later and things are going pretty well. I'm not going to lie. I think we're doing pretty well. So anyway. That's, yeah, I'm probably sure, sure I'm going to share that message tomorrow because a lot of this venture, I mean, owning a business, there's a lot of humor in this. There's a lot of great stories after nine years of doing this. And I'm sure if, if the Lord wills it, that nine years later, I'll have more stories to share. But I'm kind of going to go through some of these questions. So the first thing was, first, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your business? Well, I think if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you understand about me and about my business. So I don't think I have to get too much into that. But for example, how did you get the idea? What did the beginning of your business look like? You know, I remember I remember I was at a Perform Better Summit and I was just in a room after listening to these great presenters and I was still working for the ORC Industries and the corporate fitness gig. And it was just like, I was so excited about what was going on. And I kind of already felt like at that previous uh, employment, pre previous job, that I was the owner because it was my show. I basically had this building all to myself. I had all this equipment that I could use. I was able to, you know, for a long time, I was able to put in like equipment requests and 100% of the time I would be able to get that equipment. So I was pretty much running my own show, but for somebody else. And, you know, this, this feeling of always wanting to own a gym, that's been in me for a long time. And I think this is just something a lot of the young fitness professionals want to do because it seems like the only way that you could actually maintain steady income. You know, if you're just a trainer at the Y, well, you might have to be a trainer somewhere else. You might have to have a second job somewhere else. And I don't, I don't think that's always true. I don't think you have to own your own brick and mortar business to survive in the fitness industry. You just have to have better business strategies. And this is what I was talking about before with like semi-private personal training versus one-on-one -on -one personal training. Um, there's, there's ways to do this. I, I truly believe. But anyway, I just remember, you know, back in the day I was finishing college and I was like, I'm going to own my own gym. And that gym would have been just filled with barbells and Olympic plates. And there would have been a lot of power training, uh, meaning power clean snatches, all the stuff I was doing it through UWL. Because as I talk to our interns nowadays, you know, I, I feel like as much as UWL has a great program, it's more sports performance. You know, I don't think there's such a, a, a spotlight, a, an emphasis on the general population. I think they should do more general population and less sports performance. You know, I think both can be okay. Like, it's good to be well-rounded, but I, I just felt like a lot of their curriculum was more based on that. Or maybe that's just what I was seeing at the time because that's what I was more interested in. So who knows? But I'm going to say right now I was right. That is more sports performance-based. So, of course, like my gym would have had platforms on it. So those are the special um, elevation uh, pieces of wood that elevate you up. And there's rubber on the sides and there's wood in the middle. So you stand on the wood, but you can just drop the plates down. So the rubber hits the rubber 
and there's no clanking. I mean, it's just it's kind of what all those sports, especially professional um, sports teams and their strength conditioning, their weight rooms, this is what they'd be having. I mean, at that time, it was just like, it reminded me of being a little kid at my grandma's house with the JCPenney Christmas catalog. Like, I would see this stuff. I'm like, I want that. I want that. I want that. That's going to help me. But it'd be funny because you know, where I was at that point in my life, I had no no income. <laughs> I mean, I was working, yes, more restaurants and, you know, kind of YMCA type of jobs. I, I really had no credit. Pretty young. Uh, I don't think there would have been any way. I don't know. I don't think there would have been any way that any bank would have been foolish enough to loan me enough money to start this. Fortunately, I had my wife at the time who said, you're not going to start your own business right now because you're not ready. And of course, you know, that's a big shot below the below the belt. But she was absolutely 100% right. I wasn't ready um, maturity-wise. <laughs> Certainly, I was not financially ready because the, the gym that I had in my mind would have cost me a lot of money, lots of money. And I would have gone under as quickly as I started. And I, I do think because there's uh, some friends of mine who had the same Chicago Bulls internship, who graduated from UWL just like me, they got together and they started a gym in Madison area. And I remember I remember um, when I was at another position, I would get online, I'd go to their website, and I would just be envious because they had all the stuff that I wanted. I'm like, this is so great. I wish I could do this, but I'm just going to be stuck at this like job and blah, 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 feeling sorry for myself. Well, I think that they ended up spending more than they could afford and you know, their gym after only a couple short years, they had to go. I mean, they couldn't do it anymore. And so it's, it's very sad to see that. Even though I was so envious of what they had, it was really sad to see them have to close down shop. So fast forward, here I am, got fired, and I have this new, I have this new fire and fitness for me, with me. You know, I'm thinking more movement-based training, not so much the exercise models that we've done before in the past that don't work. They really don't. Movement-based training, um, is the best way to strength train. I, it's an opinion, but it's right. <laughs> and um, and the DVRT principles, like it's so, it's so cost effective to start a gym now if you have that kind of system going on, because it doesn't cost a lot of money to buy some bags and some kettlebells and some resistance bands, and you could do a lot of things with that. So the the risk and reward of cost, I mean, shoot, it's a big bang for your buck. That's what it is. And so that was kind of like the idea was, okay, we're going to do more of this. And I mean, it's definitely evolved. The system that we follow, the system's been, you know, getting better. It's evolved as it's gone. I've evolved as a coach because I'm so focused. I'm so laser focused on this system. I truly believe it. And it's just because of the experience that I've had personally and the experience that I've had with clients that I know the system works. And so I want to be better at my craft. So I continue to practice the DVRT system. I continue to push and to, to question. I continue to, you know, can we do this better? And that's great. Like, and especially with the new interns coming in, I love their questions because they, sometimes they ask the questions that I just don't even think about asking. And that makes me have to sit back and think, hmm, how could we do this better? So it's definitely evolved and grown into what we have now. And I really hope my, my plan for the future is that in in five years, in nine years, I could say we've evolved even more since 2023. That's my goal. Now, the next question is, how did your childhood or the things you liked to do and excelled at when you were younger affect your career and where you are now? Well, 
I was no good at athletics. I wanted to become better at athletics. I was a short, fat kid. I don't know if I was short, but I was a little chubby kid. And that kind of got me thinking about working out because I had some friends that worked out and they had physical bodies. I was like, wow, that's pretty impressive. I wish I had that. I remember now, too, um, the Arnold Schwarzenegger Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding, the first volume. My stepfather had that. Went through that. I'm like, wow, I want to do this. I want to, I want to do these exercises so I can look like Arnold. <laughs> and, you know, right now, too, I'm sorry, I digress. But Netflix has a documentary about this guy. And whether you like him or you don't like him, I mean, there's just so many memories of how my career kind of started with Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I'm kind of going back to my youth when I watched some of this. And, you know, I've watched all the movies and things like that. So this, this kind of drove me into it. And then, of course... You're working out, you're training, you're a young male, so testosterone is just like running through your body. That no, no wonder I got stronger. No wonder why, you know, and then I'm going through growth spurts, so I'm starting to lose some of that baby fat, that adolescent uh, pudginess, and I started growing up taller, and, you know, I started gaining muscle, confidence, and I was like, I, I love doing this. And, you know, my, and I don't know, I, I wonder with football, because that was the only sport I ever played in high school, Besides track, but that's kind of a, an exception. I only did that for like a couple weeks. And that was because of a girl. But then I quit track because there was another girl in the weight room that I wanted to <laughs> hang out with more. So, I mean, maybe maybe the foreign exchange uh, girl from Hungary actually helped me with my career as well. Who knows? Boy, this podcast is really going off the rails pretty quickly. Anyway, back to where I was before is I don't know if it was because I was physically getting more strong that I was able to play football better or that I was kind of climbing up the ranks you know you start as a JV freshman JV move up to you know varsity or I think sometimes these sports they the coaches are watching how much work are you putting in so it's like are you putting the time in the weight room okay good because that's going to help you in our decision to where we're going to place you in the roster but then, of course, you can't just, like, all the kids that are work hard, they have no athleticism, which is kind of me. You can't just put them on the starting team and hope that you win. you got to put in your best players. So maybe, I think I answered my own question, and you guys got to hear my thought process. But all that stuff kind of really started springboarding me into, and again, I look back, and it's so providential. The only reason why I wanted to go UW Lacrosse was because it was close enough to my home that if an emergency happened, it's a few hours' drive. But it's far enough away that it's a few hours drive. So I don't have to worry about like, you know, people like the temptation to always go home. I remember kids in the dorm that would always just go home every weekend. It's like, well, why don't you hang around here and see what happens? But they just want to go home. And the other uh, deciding factor of going back to you or going to UW lacrosse was that nobody from my high school was going to go. <laughs> so that actually helped me in my decision. Everybody else was going everywhere else in Wisconsin, but UW lacrosse. So I'm like, I want to go. And then doing a campus visit my first time, I just fell in love with the scenery. I fell in love with the city. And I just decided this is where I want to go. Wanted to start with physical therapy. I think I've mentioned that before. Realized how much schooling that would take. So I decided not to. And then during that time that I was deciding not to, I discovered that lacrosse had an exercise and sports science program with an emphasis in fitness and a concentration strength conditioning. And I couldn't believe it. I'm like, the thing I really like to do, they offer a, a degree in this, <laughs> which can be kind of a crapshoot, but I was like, let's do this. Let's, let's go and do this. So that's kind of how it got it going. 
All right, so now, our audience is made up of a diverse group of folks, some of whom may have an interest in starting a business. What do you wish you would have known before you began? Well, you know, I don't know. Like, I think I had enough mentors in my life at the time. I was, you know, I started the business, and I believe I was 35-ish, mid-30s. And I guess that makes sense, 35. And so I've been around for a while. I've, I've known people that own their own gyms. You know, my friends, I've got friends that have gyms. So I kind of leaned on them about what to expect. Like, so nothing really startles me. I remember one person said um, employment tax. That was huge. Like he, he didn't see that one coming. You know, he had budgeted for all this stuff of like, this is what I'm going to pay people, what have you. But then the payroll taxes and whatnot kind of took him off course a little bit. So he had to redesign his budget based on that. And just, you know, talking to some other friends. Obviously, location is huge. So we found a great spot in La Crosse. And I kind of already had a lot of things that I knew. Plus, I was also leaning on a business partner that I had who had kind of a little boutique gym, but it wasn't like a full-time thing. It was open early in the morning. It was open in the afternoon. And it was kind of what we do, but for group training only. So he already had somewhat of a system that was started. So I just, we kind of springboard off of that and we developed a little bit more of a program because he was a full-time, or he still is, he's a full-time engineer and the thing that he was lacking was time. He wanted to commit more to the fitness business, but he couldn't. And I was unemployed, so all I had was time. So we were able to go from like group training only to group training with personal training and to be able to offer more hours. So I think a lot of this had to do with like, it was just the stars were aligned at the right time. So I'm very grateful for all that beginning stuff. Um, Yeah. And yeah, so taking the first step is often incredibly difficult when someone has a business idea that is beginning to take shape in their head. Please share the hardest part of getting started in your business. How did you overcome it? And what words of wisdom do you have to share with others thinking about taking that first step? So again, totally honest, had the business partner who kind of already had a little bit of something going on. I think we had at that time, I feel like it was like a little less than 20 clients, period. But we both saw potential. We both saw that what we had in mind that they weren't doing in lacrosse. So we had a special product. Now, for my former business partner, he had a full-time job that's pretty sweet. So he's got a nice salary. He's got all the benefits. And for him, it wasn't so much a, a risk for him to do this because if it didn't work out, he still got a great job with great benefits, great pay. You know, for me, if it doesn't work out, I'm back on unemployment. So... I had to kind of prove myself and I had to I had to prove like I had to come up with how am I going to get paid? Because now that we were, you know, we agreed to be 50-50 business partners, which maybe now that I say that, I would have better under I would want to have understood better the business partner aspect. I had no idea what 50-50 really meant um, until we separated. And because it was 50-50, it wasn't a problem. So it's, I'm kind of grateful that we decided 50-50. And we also decided pay-wise that, you know, with the revenue coming in through the business for the first how many months, I think it was like 80, 20, if not 70, 30. So I would collect the higher amount because this is all I'm doing. He would collect a lower amount. But then as we hit these different thresholds, the percentage would change more in his favor, which I look back now, I'm thinking, that's, hmm, I don't know. And that was one of the reasons why things kind of happened as they did. But anyway, back to that original story, 
was now how am I going to, because if we have less than 20 clients, we're not charging a whole lot of money. How am I going to, I had a certain like threshold that I had to meet every month for my family. So how am I going to make that work? So I started going around searching for a business loan because I thought that's what I had to do. We did the SBA thing. We found a little bit about SBA, but I didn't find SBA, Small Business Association, to be all that helpful, to be honest with you. So I'm searching around for the business loan. And I went to like, I think five banks. And all but two banks, I was, well, actually, I think all five banks, I was denied a business loan. And, but three of the banks never really talked to me more about it. Two banks did. And the two banks said, listen, we're not going to give you a business loan, but we'll give you a line of credit. I was kind of like, well, what is this? You know, and I'm not financially at that time. I was just really ignorant. I'm like, what's, what's this line of credit mean? They're like, well, it's basically we're going to give you a credit card without a card. And you just draw from it. Of course, there's a percentage of interest that has to you know, come with it. Um, so, you know, you've got X amount of dollars in the bank. Whenever you take money out, that'll be added interest in. So you make the payments back, you know, how, whatever. So I did that and we're able to, so once I did that, then we could secure ourselves as kind of business partners moving forward. And the cool thing about this was that every month, you know, figure out how much money that the, the, fit, the fitness line down made, I would get my, my percentage, Anthony would get his, and then I'd have to go to the bank and figure out what, what is left over that I need to supplement with my line of credit. And it only took, I mean, I wish I could remember the date. It didn't take very long before. I mean, this is what I mean is things came, things happened suddenly. Like, wow, we're actually making more revenue every month. I mean, we're growing every month. To the fact that it didn't take me but a few months before I didn't have to have to use that line of credit anymore. I mean, I think six months might have been it. Six months of pulling out. And every time that I took out money, every month it was less and less. So obviously that first month I had to take out quite a bit of money to supplement my income. Um, then the next month a little less, a little less because we we're gaining more revenue. And that was exciting. I mean, it was so great to do that. It was so great to end the, the uh, line of credit and to get that paid off and just move forward. Um, so that's that would be my how did I overcome things. What words of wisdom would I share with others thinking about taking that first step? I mean, listen, if you're going to have a business partner, find out what that means. And I would, it kind of helped me, but it didn't help me. Well, no, it did help me overall. Everything should be in writing. And that's what we were told in the beginning too. It's like, make sure you write a, like a, a document, you know, about an agreement form between the both of you, expectations and roles. And we're like, nah, nah, we got it. We're good. Like we're, we're friends. We know we, we have a vision. No, I would get that stuff in writing all the time. And the thing was, though, that because we didn't have any formal documentation about our agreement, that when we separated, it was actually easier because there was nothing. We actually had to come up with the package, if you will. I don't know if package is the word, but the agreement form at the end. So it kind of helped, but it would be, if you're going to have a business partner, 100%, get things in writing, lay out expectations. I mean, you got to be detailed. That's the one thing. Was there ever a time you wanted to quit, throw in the towel, and go do something else? What stopped you from doing that? Well, there's two times where I've wanted to quit. The one time was before fitness lying down, and that's when I found the new system of training. You know, I was doing all the usual typical barbell and, you know, bodybuilding exercises, and it was becoming redundant. It was, I could see why people burn out of this industry as fast as they do. So I was ready to quit, but 
as always, when a student is ready, the teacher then appears. And when I was just at that bottom rung of like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I got involved in some different kind of fitness. It got me excited again. I started seeing things more sensible. It wasn't just all about aesthetics. It's about how to how to gain mobility. And I was like, wow, okay, that makes sense because a lot of things I do, I feel more tight. You know, I don't feel as as movement efficient as I could. So having that movement-based training, I'm like, yeah, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And then I got back in and, you know, now I have more fire than I ever have for the fitness industry. But of course, it came to that breaking point with the, the partnership was that I was feeling like I was doing a lot of work and my business partner wasn't doing nearly as much work as I thought we were paying him. And so we had to have some conversations and we had a lot of conversations and ultimately it ended up that he bowed out and I took over. And so that, you know, it's, it was a rough time I remember. Um, but I, I feel like it was the right decision to make uh, ultimately because the business has been doing a lot better with just me hundred percent at the helm. You know, that's, that's, that's how that goes. Um, who were your cheerleaders along the way and how did their support help you? Well, of course, number one was my wife. <laughs> my, well, my kids are pretty young at the time, but she was the one that knew what it was going to take. She knew the sacrifices of being an owner of a business. And I think she was like, you know, three, maybe five years. We understand that you're not going to be home a lot. And that's how it was. I mean, there was a lot of times that I, I couldn't attend some family functions. I couldn't see my kids in some different activities because I had to work. And as much as I tried to ask help, you know, could you work the shift for me or whatnot? Like, nope, sorry, my family's doing something, so I can't help you. Well, I mean, this is just part of like being a business owner. There's the sacrifices you had to make. Now, I knew that those sacrifices being made were going to pay off. And I'll just say right now, as I'm talking to you uh, through this microphone, it has paid off. I, I'm more free in my schedule. I, I could hire more people. I mean, I don't have to be here as much as I am, but I love to be here as much as I am. So it's kind of a win-win situation. So everything I've worked for hard in the beginning, I'm able to live the fruit of that. Now, any, at any moment, the rug could be pulled out from underneath my feet. One of my coaches could quit. You know, and then I'm back into like, okay, here I am. I have to work a little bit more hours. Can't do the things that I want to do with my family right now. But I feel like that's always going to be temporary, you know, God willing. All right, so... Uh, but you know, the one thing about the cheerleader part with my wife is also, I mean, she was a realist and there was times where, I mean, she would have to pull me back and be like, nope, that's not a good idea. Nope. And you know, you want to do this, but you need to be at home now because you're never at home. So you, you know, don't go do this thing. Well, she would never say don't, but she's like, you know, you haven't been home for a while. Is this the best decision? You know, she always got such a, a Jedi way of like phrasing questions. It's like, no, I should be home. So as much as she was a cheerleader, she was also my like realistic coach, <laughs> you know, reeling me in when I needed to be reeled in. So additional questions. How do you stay balanced as the head of all your, of all of your business? It says all your businesses, but I only have one business right now. So how do you stay balanced as the head? Well, that's a great question. Number one is I'm going to say my faith. You know, I, you got to know the high priorities in your life. Right. And you don't put one, you don't put the high, you don't put the lower priorities in front of the higher priorities. So my faith, my family, I don't have a lot of friends. <laughs> and then my fitness business, that's the order that it goes. So that's how I stay balanced. Now on a day-to-day operational, I've got staff. 
and I'm going to utilize them. I'm going to utilize them for the talents that they have. There's things that I don't like to do that Megan excels in. So I'll just tell Megan, I want you to do this. Could I do it? Yes. Am I going to have the gusto? Is it always going to be in the back, uh, on the back uh, burner? Absolutely. But as soon as I tell her, you know, I want you to do this, she gets it done. So it's great to have that. It takes the pressure and the stress off. Uh, speak to your younger self. What are, or speak to your, your younger self. Yes. What are two nuggets of wisdom you would share? Well, two nuggets. Um, stay open. You know, keep an open mind and keep thick skin because this industry does get rough at times. You know, people leave. People might not like what you're doing. Um, they might question what you're doing. Be open-minded. Thick skin. You're going to go a long way. Have you had to shift or close in any of your businesses due to COVID-19? Well, yeah, we, we never had to close. I mean, we had to close our physical door, but we had to make a shift. And I, I've talked about that just recently. And so making that shift actually helped us stay in the game, uh, got so much love and support from our, our clients, and we bounced back so much better after COVID. I mean, our post-COVID numbers are so much better than our pre-COVID numbers. It's insane. And we've picked up virtual clients across the nation. So I can't complain too much. I mean, yes, I can complain a lot about during the time, but the fruit afterward, the perseverance, that's the thing, is not giving up, right? Always finding a way to do things better. How can we improve this? Had to ask a lot of those questions during that difficult time. In your opinion, how important are mentors? Oh, man, mentors are, are so important, uh, you know, especially going through some of that, uh, the transaction between, or the transition, I should say, when there was a transaction, but the transition between the owners where I, had, I was taking over 100%, I had some people in my corner that knew about this, you know, knew about buying out somebody else, uh, what it would take, um, mentors in the fitness industry that helped me stay on track. You know, I have a business coach. Um, Josh and Jess from DVRT are always great resources to use, and they, they've helped me a lot through the business in regards to just, you know, it's, those mentors never tell you what to do. They almost like wait for you to squeeze it out yourself. <laughs> you know, you, you start talking to them a little bit, you're asking them a question about something, and they kind of guide you. That's a smart mentor is they just guide you to that conclusion that you make all by yourself but because they could see it from a different point of view, they just kind of help you. It's like helping a little kid walk, right? Like, I know you need to get there, but let me hold your hand a little bit as I guide you there. And I'm going to let go and you're going to take care of the rest. And who or what do you attribute your success to? Well, I'll tell you right now, again, I mentioned before, but my faith, I'm not going to be shy about it. My, my Catholic faith really helped me through. One of those things that St. Perform Better Summit where I was talking about having the idea of owning a business. I remember I was reading... Um, a psalm, Psalm 118. I was praying over it, and there's a line in there that says that the, the, the stone rejected by the builders has become the cornerstone. And I always liked cornerstone. You know, I mean, obviously an architect is very important, but as, in the faith, it's like even more important. And so I was just like, you know what, God, if, if you ever give me a gym, a fitness business, I'm going to call it Cornerstone Fitness. And so everybody's like, well, why is it called Fitness Line Down? Great question. Well, that's, that was my snarky, little cheeky way of starting you know, the business with that name. It's catchy and it's, I don't know if it's catchy, but it definitely raises questions. And it's kind of an icebreaker to some degree. Uh, but when we were um, starting our business, we both had our separate, uh, myself and Anthony, we both had our own LLCs. I think I've talked about this before. And in May of 2015, our business accountant 
was like, in order to make this legit, especially in the eyes of the IRS, which is kind of an important deal, you can't have both your LLCs. I mean, you can hold on to them, but the business needs to be under one LLC. And so we decided to do that. I asked him, Anthony, big Christian. I said, is it okay if we name our LLC Cornerstone Fitness? So that's where we're at right now, right? It's Cornerstone Fitness, doing business as Fitness Lying Down. And for anybody that's ever seen our logo, there's no coincidence that the T in the fitness is a cross. You know, so it's like, I attribute all my success to God. I mean, that's how it goes. And keeping the high priorities in line and then worrying about the small stuff, that's the way it goes. So I hope, I really hope that the way that I've discussed this today in this podcast, and I appreciate you listening, is a way that I can present this. As I record this, I'm presenting this tomorrow. And I hope somehow I can inspire somebody. Um, I don't know. Like, my story is pretty fun to share, but I think it's pretty simple. It's been pretty straightforward. We've had a lot of success. It's been great. And I hope that success continues. And as I mentioned, it all goes right to God. So that's it. That's today's podcast. Um, mirrors, though. I'm glad we talked about mirrors in the beginning because that kind of got my goat a little bit when I was talking to somebody and they were really adamant about having mirrors. So anyway, well, I guess it's that time. Um, I'm going to let you guys go. And until the next time that we speak, Godspeed.